Welcome to the Mad Mom Loops. I'm Mahin, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Sheikh Amr Saeed and Sim. And on today's show, we welcome back a good friend of ours, Kareem Serajuddin. For those of you who don't remember, Kareem was on our show just a few episodes ago, and his episode, Dead Bedrooms, has already climbed into our top 10. So make sure to check that out if you haven't already. So Kareem, welcome back. Uh, uh, appreciate you coming on again, and how's everything going for you these days? Alhamdulillah, thank you for having me back. Very excited to to reconnect and um things things are things are going great. Thank you. One thing, you know, I was driving in today. The last time we had you on, it was like early December uh, when we recorded and it was snowing. And it was snowing today. I think today was the first day since that day it snowed to be honest. Yeah. I, I actually, right. you know, we it's been a really mild winter here. Um and it's not not too heavy snow, but Maybe we can try having you on in July if it snows again, that we know you've got some kind of karamat or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's the Siraj oh, Din, the lantern of the Din. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Uh, so Kareem, Kareem's going to talk to us a little bit today about uh, gender roles in Islam. And uh, we thought that would be an appropriate topic. Uh, there's a lot going on in today's day and age. I was listening, me personally, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Joe Rogan Experience. He had on a gentleman by the name, a professor from the University of Toronto. And one of the things that they were trying to grapple with is that in Canada right now, there is, they're trying to standardize about 70 different gender pronouns. Um, so I was like, Crazy. yeah. Um, and so I, I see even some Muslims getting caught up into that, you know, it's part as part of various movements and not, and without a firm grounding of Dean. Do you, have you heard of the cisgender pronoun? It is a pronoun that means that you're just a regular person. So wow. it, it, it's pronounced or spelled C-I-S, gendered. Wow. So it, that just means you're a regular person. That's wow. a specific term for being a regular person. Wow. So I, I just thought that was interesting that it now we're, we're, we're gravitating towards a specific name for something that's... The what most, most people consider normal. No, the most normal thing becomes most complicated now. Cisgender, the first time I've ever heard about that. Yeah. You would think that's something abnormal. And th- there was a YouTube video that I found a couple, like a month ago, and where is a 52-year-old dude with like three kids decided now he wants to become a six-year-old girl. Yeah. You wow. see that? Yeah, man. That's so scary. Like, it, it, and, and I think this is something we want to talk about because whether it's in the framework of marriage and family or raising kids, like my, in a my, few my, years, well, man. Well, my, my daughter just recently asked me, like, why do uh, guy, why do girls uh, wear guys' clothing, but guys can't wear girls' clothing? And I'm like, wait a second, why would you want to see me wearing a tank top like, with my belly hanging out? Uh, you know, that would look terrible. Definitely throw on the high heels. <laughs> Yeah, so very midriff. That, that was a thing back in middle school, man. Shirt, I, had to, I had to silence her and tell her, you know, this is feminist talk, and we'll have none of that in this house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, go- yeah, so Kareem, with all this like chaos, where do we even start to try to understand things? Well, first of all, um, I, I understand my body to be a man, and I do identify as a lesbian. So <laughs> I'm just going to start with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, okay. it's it's a it's a very interesting um, time, and um, I definitely see this kind of discourse or philosophy. Um, we see it everywhere, right? Especially where I'm living in the Bay Area. Um, but it's also, believe it or not, I mean, you have to also recognize that, like, 
probably 90% of the planet is not on board with all of this, you know, taximony of gender types and, you know, fluidity. The majority of the planet is still seeing things pretty simply, right? Like there's, there's two genders, you know, of course, uh, Europe and, 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 and the West, um, are kind of evolving in some of those constructs. But, you know, for me, I always like to, you know, because I have uh, the Islamic tradition as, as one of my personal resources, um, I definitely uh, try to remind brothers and sisters that we work with, especially when, you know, roles in the household, roles in marriage, you know, trying to get your perks from Western society and Islamic tradition. You know, it's like in the end of the day, I always tell people like, listen, we got to choose our standard. What standard are we going to really work through our issues through? Is it going to be Islam? Is it going to be your culture? Is it going to be, you know, American uh, societal liberalism? In the end of the day, it has to go back to a certain framework, which gives you that foundation or guidance. And uh, of course, um, I try to remind people of, you know, my understanding of, of what the Quran is trying to teach us. And I think it's never, it's not black and white. I think a lot of people when they're like, oh, you know, once you start quoting religion, it's like, there's, it's just black and white. It's either man or, or, or woman. Um, I do know, of course, it's more nuanced than that. And there's, um, there is, of course, uh, I always talk about a bell curve and, uh, the majority of men and women fall in the middle. And, uh, and you have, of course, exceptions to the rules. And there's a lot of explanations for that, you know, uh, genetics, uh, psychology, uh, environment. And um, there's, there's so many layers to it, right? It's not that simple to just kind of now start accepting all this stuff and, uh, and not question it because it seems like, you know, this is the popular uh, views of the time. So I always try to bring, bring people back to the fundamentals, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, he teaches us in, for example, Surah Al-Layl, that uh, he created the male and female, that their pursuits are different. Um, so there you're getting identification of two pairs, uh, excuse me, a pair. Uh, but then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but those of you who strive towards excellence uh, will make it easy for you, right? So it now brings it back to this humanistic aspect. Um, so there's always universals uh, when it comes to being human. And I think the Quran also talks about particulars when it comes to male and female in general. And um, Allah SWT also tells us in Surah Ar-Rahman that He set up the balance uh, and don't transgress the mizan, the, the harmony that He set in the world and in the universe. And I think that the, the heavens and the earth are signs for us, just like they're signs in ourselves. And when you kind of look at all that together, um, I like seeing it as, you know, uh, going back to these kind of archetypes that the Quran shows us, you know. For instance, uh, Allah ta talks about the male and female the moon and the sun, the heavens and the earth. It's a very interesting, you know, sequence. And uh, commonly you find in a lot of cultures, for instance, that there is this concept of father sky and mother earth and, uh, you know, discussing these kind of um, energies, if you will. And, uh, of course, as, 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 as Muslims, we understand there is this idea of essence in the heavens and then it takes form in the world. So, for example, if I tell you to think about water right now, what kind of imagery are you going to get for, for water? How does it look? How does it taste? How does it sound? It's clear that that's the the one adjective that kind of pops into my head whenever I if if, if someone wants to ask me about water, or maybe blue. I uh, just think of a I would clear think blue glass. as well. Blue and flowing. Yeah. I just think of a clear glass with water pouring into the top, and then you just see right through it. I think you, for me, it's like the image is always the ocean, but it's it's, it's quenching too. It's satisfying. 
Right. But you, but you don't get the idea of something being dark and murky and mm -hmm. stinky and spoiled, do no. you? Although no. there is water like that on the earth. Of course. Right? Sure. But there but there is this uh, there is this essence uh, of an impression, if you will, when I say water uh, that comes up for everybody. Right. So it's almost, if you will, the essential or ideal properties of this element or this thing. And so similarly, when we say man or woman, uh, I think for a lot of people, there is these essential um, attitudes or traits or orientations that are naturally associated, you know, with, with when, when we say man or woman. Yeah. Of course, nowadays, all of that is, is, is being reviewed, if you will, and, and, and questioned in different ways. But, but that is my understanding of, of how the Quran tries to give us at least a foundation to start understanding things. Like there are definitions uh, connected to, you know, the root words of, you know, rajulun and nisa, uh, uh, you know, and there are, there are meanings there that's, that's also implied because we know that names are simply terms or labels for uh, the meaning of that object or the reality of that object. So similarly, we do have the sense uh, of, of gender knowledge, I think, even from the Quran itself. Um, and what a lot of Islamic law and uh, interpretation around Islamic law has a lot to do with our natures as well. So one of the things I'll, you know, I le I'll leave everybody with to kind of uh, start this off is, you know, I always say this, listen, regardless of whether or not you believe in Adam and Eve or evolution, um, you know, and that we evolved fully from, from other uh, life forms, etc., the bottom line is humankind began somewhere at some point. There was one set of parents. We know this, you know, based on, on, on the genome, human genome. Uh, we know this based on religious, uh, you know, stories about the beginning of man and, and woman. And I always say this, like, let's picture this. So the first humans happened to exist at some point in the past. And then they started to breed and they have to survive in the environment. So naturally, when you need to survive, what do you need to do? You need to extract resources from the physical environment around you. And men, the males of the, of the tribe or these early societies, were naturally drawn to do certain tasks or roles uh, to fulfill survival and prosperity for the species. And similarly, females started to uh, be drawn or attracted to fulfill certain roles to survive and, and uh, prosper the species. So my, my, one way I like to look at it is maybe social roles um, are actually expressions of our biological nature and wiring because it's not like those things were forced on people. Like today you can say, uh, you know, we force boys to, to like blue and green and, and play with, you know, toys and trucks, uh, excuse me, trucks and, you know, cars. But uh, why, why do we impose that on them, right? So gender roles are socially constructed. That's one theory. But I try to say, well, let's take it all the way back and just ask ourselves, why is it that naturally uh, men and women in the vast majority of human anthropology and history have inclined towards specific roles? Uh, is it simply just brainwashing or is it actually a reflection of our biological and perhaps metaphysical imprint? I was once uh, watching my kids uh, and uh, some of my nephews were playing with a bunch of action figures and I saw I saw one of them one of the girls bring uh, her doll and saying that hey you should you know fight with her and let her play um and I I kind of jumped in like no 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 you don't want to let that happen <laughs> you don't bring a doll into a, a ninja turtle fight you know <laughs> so, am, am I am I doing some kind of harm in that you know, when when I uh you know, when I'm trying to shape my my kids' uh, definitions of of what uh, of how they should 
uh, behave with their toys or, or I don't know if I'm framing it. No, that's, no, that's a good question. I mean, I think, again, it's not, there's never these, uh, it, it can be both, right? Useful and dangerous. Um, I mean, kids are kids, right? I mean, if they're very young and they're exploring different toys or what their sisters have or female cousins or vice versa, you know, it's like they're children. You know, part of being a child is being curious and asking why and questioning some of the, um, you know, structured uh, socialization uh, points that they live in, right? Like, how come I can't do this? Or why can't I play with that? And there's nothing wrong with kind of explaining your perspective or even allowing them to do it, you know, to a certain age or a certain extent, um, as long as, you know, you feel like overall, there is a healthy understanding of, you know, who they are personally, you know, personal psychology, as well as the fact that, you know, according to our tradition, uh, being a male is not a trivial thing. Or being a female is not a trivial thing. In other words, you can't just simply ignore the form of your biology because according to our uh, tradition, the form is a, uh, it's a physical or temporal um, embodiment of the essence of something. In this case, you know, masculinity and femininity. Now, the next question probably is, okay, well, what, is, what do those things mean, right? Because who are you to say what that is and what that isn't? And uh, I think that's where you get now... Um, a little more room for discussion, as well as you also need uh, data to verify and validate uh, what what the claims are. And that's exactly what science is. It's about, you know, observing something and recognizing that if there is a consistent um, uh, pattern in nature, in individual, then we start to say that that is, you know, most likely attributed to that object or that thing or that process. Uh, so no one's going to say that a tree, for example, is a whale, right? But how come now we can say a six foot two white guy is a is a six year old, you know, Asian girl, right? right? If I just want to tell myself that, right? So I'm, it's just like I almost feel like those types of things has gone to the point of absurdity. Right. You know, it's right. like w- what is going on here? You know, I mean, you lost that basic common sense. Subhanallah. Right. And the brain of a female and a a male is wired differently as well right like psychological traits are wired differently from from male to female they're they're inherent like for example women are more empathetic to and and they see things more in a holistic manner is there something uh, is there something to that or is that a bunch of nonsense that we're all just the same brain but it's all about how we're we're kind of nurtured as we get older right Again, it's it's always um, nature and nurture, but no, you're right. There is a lot of um, research and data which would strongly suggest, if not prove, um, that, for example, there's over 100 differences in just how the male and female brains wired. Um, they've done all kinds of, you know, tests and, and, and research with, you know, female responses versus male responses, you know, with the same stimuli. So, for example, you know, men and women listening to babies crying, uh, the activity that goes on in the brain is so different in, in, in both genders. Um, the, the type of tasks that, you know, males and females have been tested with, uh, generally you find the ones that are, you know, masculine oriented uh, males generally do perform better in them and vice versa. So it's not like this is all just made up, right? There is a uh, biological cause or root to the masculine and feminine energy which gets expressed. However, the extent of the health of that masculine or feminine energy that's expressed has a lot to do with the society, right? So if you live in a society where 
you have a, a male who's born with, let's say, lesser, uh, lower levels of testosterone than, let's say, the average male, um, they might seem to be more sensitive or inclined to, you know, be more gentle or even prefer being more relational and talking to the girls in, in the playground. But and if you're constantly being labeled as gay or, or this and that because that's just your natural orientation, um, all of a sudden this label starts to stick. And if you live in a society where, you know, being homosexual is uh, considered, uh, you know, an appropriate or acceptable life choice, then they're more likely going to go in that direction versus the same boy being in a society where um, they're, they're that type of bullying or, or uh, isn't uh, as strong, that individual may still grow up perfectly healthy and feeling like, yeah, I get along great with, with women, but I'm definitely sexually attracted to women. It's not like just because uh, I like to hang out with women that means that I automatically have to also like sexually be attracted to boys. But, uh, you know, the homosexuality uh, discussion, I think, uh, deserves its own show. So I don't want to veer too far off into yeah. that. I, I just want to add a little bit to it. I think the next step is, I think a majority of people do understand that the male and female brain by default are different. No, I don't think they are. I think that's what the debate is, is now that there are some, in a lot of college circles and and uh, and left-wing circles, you hear the idea that, okay, well, we can agree that you know women aren't as physically capable as men, but their um, their mind is equal in every way to a man. And I I don't see that. No, I, I, I think, think I, that's a different thing. So I'll, I'll tell you what okay. I mean by that. What I mean by the statement is that they know that if you look at a man by default and a female by default, they know who's who, and they know that a female has certain inclinations that men don't have. No, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. As as of right now, I think the next step is that they feel that this physical brain that we have, it can be molded however you want. So who's to tell me how how I can mold it? You know what I'm saying? That's the dilemma. But it, it's so, manifesting but into a problem. Karim, isn't uh, isn't the female brain a slightly smaller as well? To male? <laughs> no, no. I'm I'm talking from science. I'm not I'm no, not no, joking. No. Yeah, I'm, yeah. No, no. You're accurate. Um, yes. Female brains tend to be uh, smaller in size. They also tend to be more interconnected. In yeah. other words, the communication between hemispheres is usually um, more active and the bridge that connects the hemispheres is way more dense. And I think that's uh, than, why they say the that males. women can multitask and men can't multitask as well as women can, right? right. Men are more Absolutely. tunnel vision. Absolutely. And I'm terrible with Excel sheets. My wife is amazing with the, her spreadsheets on Excel. Yeah. She's in finance and... I can imagine. I can never. Men, yeah. I can't imagine doing that. But even even if you see the conversations that occur, and that's why, and, and you know, um, brother Karim can actually shed upon this as far as counseling is concerned, as understanding each other is, which is why we can, if we try to have a conversation of problem solving with our with our spouse, they can talk about so many different things, and they're connecting stories from so many different issues, and we're trying to stick to the topic at once, yeah. and we think we're trying to stick to the topic. But they think, why are we being such Neanderthals? We're only talking about one thing, <laughs> right? Right? Isn't that, that that crazy? Because nowadays the, the the whole hype is about neural networks and being able to make connections to yeah. events or or uh, things that are relatable to your current reality yeah. at at the fastest rate possible. So um, they're making new keyboards on your on your phone that are connected to a neural network of uh, millions of users who are using that same keyboard and coming up with the most accurate predictions. Wow. So. You'll say, hey, what's going on tonight? Um, and then it'll give you, uh, you want to go to the bar? So it'll, it'll like predict that, okay, well, it's Friday. 
and usually Friday nights, people are going to the bar or or going to a movie, and they'll they'll start giving predictions based on that. Wow. So that, but but these are the neural connections that women are much more able to. Yeah. Make. But but we've gotten past that point though. Just to bring it back a little bit, that fine. Yeah. Maybe the female's brain is physically smaller, and maybe you know, obviously, a majority of people in the world, whether they're homosexual, whatever their orientation is, they know by looking at somebody by default that okay, this is a male, this is a female. But their brains can be different, uh, even though they're they're by default they have certain preferences, right? But who's to tell me? I think the next step is now, which we can talk about even on Islamic level. Who is to say that um, I can mend my brain or my brain is mended differently than somebody else? I can do whatever I want with it. And who's to judge me if I choose a certain path of which way my brain should work? That's the problem, I think, right? That's the main problem now. That that's a manifestation, right? And that's that's I think what Islam uh, uh, tries to bring into perspective, where it talks about male and female, right? Um, right. And and just on, on on a very small or molecular level, even a child, if there's a bathroom, they just look at the sim- symbol if they can't read because they know okay, this is for men, this is for women, right? So such simplicity that we have of understanding a male and female. Now we're living in a, in a time where like you mentioned, a 50 year old individual wants to feel like somebody who's a six year old girl. Um, there's dilemmas that are occurring within, within ourselves and within the human being that um, they deep down, they know what's right and wrong. I believe everybody deep down, if you bring them to a certain point, they know what's right and wrong. If you bring them to a life and death situation, they're going to call upon their creator, right? right? That's what happens to a lot of people, but it has to be put in that situation. Now we're so far away from that situation. This is my take on it, that we have so much luxury now to mm-hmm. think about things. And we just become so, um, so, uh, uh, I, I, I don't want to say, um, we so overindulgent in a way that we just mm-hmm. don't want to live with the reality of what we really are. Luxury is right. a key word, actually, because I I couldn't imagine like three hundred, four hundred years ago when people you know had the work in the fields, etc., where you would have institutions like at universities called the department or the department of transgender studies, yeah, like entire yeah. departments, drug appreciation. Right, you know, class, <laughs> you know, yeah. Don't, I was gonna get on a soapbox, but that, but I'll refrain. But Kareem, practically speaking, um, and Sim kind of talked alluded to this a little earlier. As we raise our kids, when should we be on the lookout for them to actually take their personality to either a, a girl or a boy, for example? Like, what age do we see that? And me personally, right? I, I have a daughter, but. I um I'm inter- I, I'm into sp- like watch following sports so I I'd want my wife doesn't really care about sports but I want to do my future son-in-law a favor and like give him a a a wife that's into sports <laughs> so like how, how, how do I do that for example give like get her into wife. sports <laughs> so I mean so a couple of things right number one uh, again when we say masculine and feminine um, there are a lot of traits and images that come up just like you know we did that quick experiment with water. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, we do have, for example, with, with the feminine energy, there is this idea of it's nurturing, it's cooperative, it's relational, it's conversational, it's empathetic. It's, you know, there's compassion, there's mercy, there's, you know, um, and, and of course, there's intelligence and wisdom in its own right. It's just the feminine expression of it. Right. Like female intuition, for example. Right. Um, and, and males, you have also 
ideas of, you know, there's competitiveness, there's the provider, there's the protector, you know, there's strength, there's, um, you know, independence, uh, being able to stand on your own two feet, because if you can't, you can't take care of a family. Uh, one of the meanings of a, of a male, according to Arabic, is one who allows the females to suckle in the tribe, right? In other words, he, he is able to make sure that the women and the children are protected and able to, to be nurtured in the environment. So kind of these primal uh, definitions, uh, I think, are very interesting when you look at them, because you do find it across culture. It's not just, you know, one society. And so when we say things like, okay, how do I make sure my daughter is a girl or, or my boy is a boy? It's like, well, it depends on, on which, um, it depends. You have, also have to remember that there are so many traits and attributes which are associated to both categories. So for example, let's say your son, um, is not really into sports, right? Or he's not very aggressive with the other boys. And, and sometimes dads get worried like, oh God, like he's not going to play football. He's going to be a wuss or whatever, <laughs> right? But it's like, hold on a second. You know, other masculine energies such as being extremely, you know, engineered minded, right? Or really into abstract thought and mathematics and this like that, right? That's a very masculine brain as well. He's just not necessarily the type who has, you know, high levels of testosterone, competitiveness and, you know, um, let's say, you know, visuospatial skills and talent, which is what you need for sports, right? So you can have, for example, like, you know, a Silicon Valley nerd who's able to code and come up with all kinds of incredible engineering uh, pursuits. And his brain's actually very masculine, right, according to these uh, neurological um, categories. Yet he's not going to – he doesn't know how to talk to women or, you know, play sports. Does that make him less of a man? No. It's just a different variation of masculinity. And the same thing's true for femininity, right? It's not like all women have to be soft and, and – and and uh, quiet and and whatever, right? No, there are women that are also they have the fiery punch. They're strong. They're intelligent. They're go getters. All that stuff, right? And and that doesn't mean you're less of a woman. I don't believe that. Like you know, it's it makes you less of a woman if let's say you you have some of those qualities. Um, so we also have to you know ask ourselves what are the definitions we're trying to mold or nurture, so to speak, and how much are we willing to allow to kind of happen naturally, right? Because there are, for example, women out there that you could say have more of a masculine um, energy, like 60%, 40% femininity. And those women are going to be, you know, if they're, let's say, in an ideal Islamic society with, with healthy values, those women aren't necessarily going to grow up and be lesbian just because they have more of a, a masculine uh, perspective on the world. In fact, their brain could also be more wired as a male, which, which a lot of research also suggests that sometimes females' brains work more like a male's brain. And that's why you get those tomboy-type you know, girls or, or, or women and vice versa, you see. So there is truth to that. But that is not the same thing as your sexual orientation necessarily because there could be, for example, women who are um, more masculine in their energy or have a higher dosage, but they're very attracted to men that are more gentle and feminine because it complements each other. And to really, you know, prove this point, why is it that in homosexual relationships, the vast majority, right, there's always a masculine and a feminine entity being yep. played oh out, my God, even so though it's true. the same yep. gender. You're so right. it goes back to fitra. It goes back to this metaphysical essence as wow. well. And I think that that's one of the, the key um, points here, especially as you know, uh, we, we try to understand things like homosexuality and those type of things. It's not always as simple as the way it's been kind of um, propped up to be in, in, in the uh, 
LGBT uh, discourse. And I think that distinction is very important that just because somebody may seem a little more masculine, we shouldn't draw a conclusion to sexuality right away. And I think that's a big problem. Absolutely not. Right? And same thing with males. You know, they think that just because he's not into sports or whatever, because every culture, wherever you come from, and everyone has a remnant of this, no matter how westernized they are, or how Easternized they are, is they all have that culture of, you know, uh, whether you're, you're, it's swordsmanship, it's archery, it's horseback, it's football, it's, you know, basketball, it's weightlifting, you know, it's, it's chopping wood, whatever the case is. We all have, we all have some cultural remnants of that. But just because somebody doesn't have that, it's kind of crazy now that you explain it that way that we draw it to sexuality right away. Right? Exactly. It's kind of crazy. I don't think, I don't think that's uh, holistic at all. And it's when we reduce ourselves to our sexuality. That's why now it's an identity. My identity is based on my sexuality, right? It's like that's not the only aspect of the human experience, you see. And, uh, you know, going back to that point and kind of building more off it, um, that the idea of, you know, uh, environment is is very important. Because like I said, you know, if you are um, labeled or conditioned also by your environment, uh, to go a certain direction with your sexuality, you're most likely going to go in that direction. Uh, in other cases, it, it comes down to self-damage and distortion. In other words, some people, you know, they have su- such foggy consciousness because of all the things they've been exposed to or the sins they've committed that now it has become so normative for them to consider, let's say, you know, same sex or even sleeping around, you know, in an unhealthy fashion with, with multiple partners. I mean, these are all forms of unhealthy sexuality and emotion and, mm-hmm. and, and emotional connection. So it's not just, you know... Um, you know, same sex is, is, is the only uh, problem we have out there. No, I think that there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding around how sexuality, emotions, psychology, and biology uh, plays together in, in the general population. I'm not talking about people in the field, but I think many people just don't understand where all this comes from. So, for instance, where did this idea of homosexuality being genetic or you're born with it come from? This was published in, in, in the 1970s in, in the New England uh, Journal of Medicine. And ever since then, it became uh, a popular belief amongst you know social scientists. But if you actually go and do deeper research, there is absolutely no conclusive evidence of anything like that, that, oh, being homosexual is strictly genetic and you can't change it, right? There are so many other variables. And any honest psychologist or social scientist out there, when you look up their work, they, they all say the same thing. It's not There's nothing extremely conclusive about that. Uh, it's it, there's so many layers to it uh, with yeah. nurturing and experience and um, and a lot of the you know people that I I know both Muslim and non-Muslim there is some sexual abuse along the way in their development I mean I, I don't mean to offend you know anyone who identifies with same-sex attraction but the reality is that's 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 pretty common out there and, with, and with, I, I hear uh, that a that, lot of, I'm sorry to cut you off I hear that a lot how much percentage do you think of individuals that have homosexual inclinations whether intentionally or unintentionally having that inclination um, what's the percentage of individuals that have been sexually uh, molested or had a, a, a negative sexual encounter at a young age I, I can't I can't say for sure uh, I don't know the data on that but from my own small, you know, sample, um, I would say about seventy percent from the people I've, oh, you know, wow. uh, counseled and tried to. Uh, oh you know, wow! Uh, and and how and many that, percent? I know this is not the thing of the talk. It's just a little something to throw out there. Just inshallah, if we can conclude this in a minute. But um, what about as far as uh, you know, sexual perversions that lead to homosexuality itself, whether it be pornography or whatever the case may be, you know? 
Well, I think, again, those are all, these are all uh, variables yeah. which could play a role in it, whether it's sexual abuse, sexual deviation and, and damage and distortion, you know, uh, of course, in tox, you know, using a lot of drug use or alcohol, these things, you know, that takes away from your clarity over time. And, and that's the point, right, is the more distorted and damaged you are, the more your choices are going to be because your perception is so damaged and distorted. So yeah. you get, you evolve to that point. And I always use the analogy of if anyone's ever smoked a cigarette, right? The first time you tried it when you're 12, 13, 14, whatever, you're coughing your lungs out and you're thinking, this is disgusting. How could anybody smoke cigarettes? But then there's people out there that suck it down and it tastes like vanilla ice cream to them. They can't live without it. It's so sweet. And so the human is very adaptable, even if it's something that is bad for you or haram and wrong. And perhaps that's why Sharia always protects us from going towards these things because Allah knows the human is very flexible and adaptable. And if you do something enough times, you're going to start to enjoy it and like it and think that this is okay. It's part of my life and it's in fact it's one of my go-to pleasures now whether it's sex or food or drugs or anything else subhanallah what an amazing being the human is but well, anyway let's continue yeah so like i want to talk a little bit about before we get into the relationships and how we understand our genders in a framework for relationships as we're growing up and you know we're all here about the same we're growing up some of us have sisters some of us are you know uh, maybe growing up in more mixed environments where we're, you know, gender relations or strict gender uh, restriction isn't really enforced. Some of us are growing growing up in environments where we're strictly not talking to girls or boys for, or whatever gender you're coming from. And then we get married. Uh, I, you know, the, what's your theory on the idea? Like, have you seen any data out there as far as is in your work as a marriage counselor? Um, that when you when people have issues, do they come from similar backgrounds as far as the kind of intergender interactions they've had prior to marriage? So, can I clarify that question? What what I think you mean by that? Because I don't fully understand that. Do you mean that, for instance, if if before they got married, if they were very strict, parents were very strict about not interacting with the opposite gender? So does that have certain repercussions on right. their marriage? Oh, Is that yeah. what you're asking? Yeah, like that, or for example, and even if so, let's say well, like like for, with. Conservative Muslims, right? That they won't have any interactions with, you know, w- women at all. They might even uh, look down when they're speaking to a woman, right? And um, you know, they won't make eye contact. And and I I know I was kind of raised in that type of environment. And now um, I've kind of gotten over that. Now I can you know look woman straight in the eye unless she's extremely beautiful. Then she's like, ah, uh, she's looking into my soul and <laughs> seeing everything evil in me. And then I just like look away and. But even uh, within that, I think like both like you guys, for example, have sisters, right? Yeah. I don't have a sister growing up, but you know, so even if you're two different conservative family, let's say it's a conservative family of like all guys and a conservative family of like with like a couple guys, a couple girls. So you got so you at least interact with your sisters. It's not yeah. hard to talk to your sisters. I hope. Yeah. No. I, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I get the question, and and what's interesting is there's actually uh, been research to suggest that. Um, sometimes, especially in our countries, like the Muslim, our Muslim societies, for instance, there is this epidemic of, you know, um, homosexual relationships with young boys in, in some parts of Asia, right? And uh, some research has been done to, to, to demonstrate that because these societies or these things are happening, um, they are so rigid and conservative and segregated that the over-amplification of repression and taboo can result in very distorted 
outcomes such as, well, you know, because women are completely uh, out of eyesight. So all this sexual charge, which is naturally going to be in any person, it's going to come out to what's available to them. And what's available is more is, is the same sex, for instance. Right. So it's not actually uncommon for um, homosexual activity and deviations to occur even in Muslim societies where it appears to be conservative and repressed and segregated. Because in fact, we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always teaches us harmony, balance, and moderation is the key. And if we're too extreme with that, then we're going to see stuff like that happen. It's it's most likely. Or you're going to see people that are going to, you know, come out of that and, and go to a society and just let loose and, and go wild, right? Because it's not natural and normal for people to be so repressed and so disconnected from the opposite gender. And this is why our, our religion teaches us about healthy interactions with male and female. It gives us guidelines. But we're talking about, you know, sexuality and the sciences of eroticism. I mean, we have Islamic scholars like Asayuti who had treaties on these things. You know, these were um, uh, uh, books on understanding how to please each other in relationships, talking about sexuality and eroticism. This is part of the Islamic tradition. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it just be, just to be fair, can't the argument be made that um, uh, as far as, uh, you know, sexual relationships with children that are a lot younger, can't this, can't the argument be made that that's done in all societies, whether they're repressed or not repressed? You know, there's all these reports coming out now, you know, even like, you know, uh, on, on government levels in the United States of, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, uh, uh, child molestation and pornography and, and, and all that kind of stuff, even though there's no, there's no, uh, 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 you know, repression, so to speak. Yeah, there's no repression. So that, isn't that, hasn't that always been a problem historically of a select group of individuals, um, in every society, right? I don't, it does, can we say, and I know I, I agree it is a problem, I agree that relationships are a problem uh, of being very rigid towards the opposite gender. But if we're, if we're going to talk about this or have a discourse about this, I think can't that argument again be made that it's on all levels of society, whether they're repressed or not repressed? Uh, listen, humans are always going to make mistakes and all the forms of you know mistakes or sins or whatever you want to call it, it's going to exist everywhere, sure. Yeah. But there are certain environmental setups which is going to prompt certain sins or mistakes to be made more so than in other societies, Very right? Nice. Yes. So, so for example, you know, here in, in many parts of the United States, it's a lot more free and liberal when it comes to sexual relations. Not all places. I mean, we know America also, there's a lot of Christian values and, and conservatism yeah. and so on and so forth. But you get like, if you live in a society that's very liberal and very, everyone do your thing, no judgment, enjoy your sexuality, explore it, whether you're married or not. I mean, there's people like that who even think like that. Or they're married and they still enjoy themselves outside of the marriage and it's it's okay, right? Yeah. Um, and you get so you get that kind of different kind of output or, or, or results. And then of course, if you have uh, extreme repression and segregation, you're also going to get a whole uh, basket of deviations that occur because of the environment. So yes, everywhere you're going to find stuff, no matter where you live and who you are, right? But of course, the environmental structures influences the type of stuff you're going to find happening in those societies, of respectively. Course, of course. Kareem, how old are your kids, or do you have kids? I have a baby boy. Baby boy, mashallah. Uh, how old is he? Um, he is, inshallah, going to be about nine months. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're just getting Fresh started. Bread. Okay. Because, uh, you, you know, prat again, I'm trying to think about practicality, right? And I'm my daughter's three and a half. Sheikh Amr, how, how old are your, your kids? I don't like? answer personal questions like this on there. 
<laughs> All right. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> really? No, my daughter. No, my daughter is almost eight. And my son's three and a half. Okay. Um, yeah. So l- let's say, like, let's say, I don't know, ten years from now, we're at some family gathering, the three of us, Misam and Amr, and then Kareem's in town, and his son's like eleven, and you know, whatever. We're they're teenagers. A lot of them are teenagers. How do we suggest we, you know, handle the interactions between our kids as parents at when they're at that age? Well, I mean, I remember when I was growing up and we would go to, you know, family friends' homes, it was the parents were all hanging out, you know, usually the women together, the men together, and and the kids were all together, whether they were male or female. And we were like this, you know, all the way into high school, you know. And I thought it was a very balanced thing. Like we still prayed as families together. We we shared food, but you know, then we went downstairs and and played video games and talked and hung out and and it was it was res- it was respectful. You know, I feel like we don't. Sometimes we we get too freaked out by just being present with a, with the opposite gender is going to automatically lead to crazy things. And it's it's not always true, right? I mean, sometimes it's 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 fine for for kids to um, interact. And I think that in the end of the day. Uh, we, we teach our kids, whether they're 10, 11, 20, or 30, that, uh, you know, the principles are, you know, you have respect for each other. You treat boys and girls as if it's your own brother and sister, you know, so you show them love. You're there for them, but you know that there's certain boundaries you don't cross. You don't go alone with them in the bathroom, for example, or, you know, uh, you don't, you're not, you're not uh, spending time with them by yourself. Um, there are certain things you don't say or, or touch, you know, and I think that this is the case anywhere, whether you go to school or you go to a job. I mean, we have these parameters everywhere, you know. So similarly, uh, having your children, boys and girls, uh, interact and, and play, uh, I think is not necessarily a bad thing as long as there's guidance um, and, and uh, wisdom being implemented in the, in the experience. And of course, as they get older, we have to have more of those discussions, right? Because again, if we don't talk to our kids at age 11 or 12 about puberty and what's going to start happening biologically, what they're going to start feeling, what the kids in their schools are going to start talking about and doing, if we don't inform them of that, like a prerequisite course, we know they're all going to find out anyways by themselves and it's got, it's not going to be a healthy way. It's unlikely going to be healthy. It's going to be through online or through friends or through pictures and Snapchats and God knows what, right? So I, my, my philosophy is simple. Just make sure you guys are educating and having these discussions with your children. Don't assume they're just going to be good because they're Muslim. Don't assume that they'll figure it out or they would never do anything like that. Trust me, you know, kids and, and young adults, they feel everything that you felt when you were your age. Imagine if your parents knew exactly what was going on in your head when you were 17 or 18, right? They would probably send you to go live in the deserts of Mecca, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm worried so about my dad thinks in my head right now, to be honest. <laughs> I'm still worried about that. See, it doesn't stop. You know, it's always uh, something we've got to be aware of. Um, so it's just I think if we're just real with the children and we, we even have discussions with the children together, um, you know, whether it's these youth circles or, or and these types of things, again, the masjid or these Muslim spaces should be the place where they get healthy and wise education regarding what's going on. We can't just leave it simply with, you know, it's just about our cultural validation, our food and being, you know, praying and what school you're going to go to. It's like w- there's so much stuff going on in the human experience and we need to start opening up the dialogue, especially around sexuality and relationships because that's the first thing that all these youth things that i've ever encountered they always want to talk about it relationships how do we get married what are we supposed to do this and that which means they don't have any guidance or answers about this stuff do they 
you know, uh, on the flip side of that of that scenario that Mahin gave you, is what if you come from a conservative background, right? And and I'm gonna preface this by saying Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he always showed us or Allah showed us how to do something. Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Uh, he, Allah ordered us to do something Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam showed us how to do it right or Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi ordered us to do something and then he would tell us the wisdom of how to go about it right so what if somebody mm-hmm. comes from a conservative background and they're used to going to whether it's family parties or weddings um, that are gender separated right and it's just left at that and what, what I see sometimes is that there's there's gender separation but there's no explanation why but you have to do it that way right so I believe there should be a middle ground if there is gender separation, um, that there has to be a certain type of explanation and there should be a constant upkeep of, of, of why we do things the way we do. But it's not haram to talk to the opposite gender, nor actually, you know, haram to go to a store or go to school or anything like that. But how, how do we find that balance, right? So you have one spectrum where everyone should be together as a family, whether they're whether they can be married to each other or not. And then you have the other spectrum where, you know, people believe that they should be separated right um how do, how do we how do we make sense of both of those scenarios because both are islamic scenarios right right but is it i mean is complete segregation a truly islamic scenario i mean who are we trying to follow the prophet muhammad so was that. his masjid segregated did he not sit and talk with women you know did did sahaba ever go to aisha and ask questions you know what I'm saying? So again, it's like goes back to the literacy here of like, okay, what are we really trying to follow? Is it our, you know, culture or our understanding of Islam or is it really what's what's out there in the sources? So this again goes back to, you know, knowledge and literacy as a, and, and but the, the concept. Kareem, here's, here's the thing. A lot of people will say that they'll say those type of interactions were for educational purposes. They weren't for the social mixing that we have right now in our uh, MSAs and uh, whatnot that you know, uh, guys and girls are, you know, hanging out after Juma, getting pizza. And so there, there is that, that, that debate, like, Hey, what, where's the middle, where, where can we find some common ground in like a, a happy middle ground where we're not engaging in a haram activity, but we're not actually like scared or terrified of the opposite sex either. But we, there's some, I think there's so, there's a, there's a trace of nobility, right? So like, for instance, I'll give you an example, right? As far as, uh, and I'm just using a small example because yes, Rasulullah uh, you know, in many hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari that, you know, he encouraged the women to come to the two dark prayers, right? Which were Fajr and Isha, right? And I'm just mm-hmm. using this as an example. I know there's a difference of opinion and everything, but, but now he, he would order, he would ask the women to leave and he would tell the women, men not to turn around until all the women mm-hmm. left, right? And mm-hmm. this comes in multiple narrations, right? In Sahih Bukhari. So for that reason, Omar radiallahu an, you know, bought the concept of separating the masjid, right? Between the men and women, if, you, if it's possible, right? Now, I'm not saying that you have to do it this way, but I'm saying there is some merit Islamically that there is some indication, whether you want to call it indirectly, of some type of separation between the males and the females in, in gatherings, Right. And I'm, well, I'm, uh, sorry, but I don't know if that hadith actually proves that point because you said those hadiths that referring to the prayers in the dark. Yeah. And maybe it has something to do with the nighttime and the fact that the Prophet Sallallahu wanted so, the women to head head to their homes first safely before the men went out because you could have a guy following you at the crack of dawn and of let's course. say you're not a married sister, right? Of course. So maybe it has maybe it has something to do with that because it doesn't talk about Asr and Duhr. 
prayers necessarily in that hadith, at least according to what you said. So no, no, of I course. don't know if that's a proof for segregation. No, so 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 what I'm what I'm saying is, and I'm not. I, I didn't like I said. There is a difference of opinion of what that means, right? But if they did come, even to the of, of, to the bright prayers, he would ask the men not to turn around, right? And until okay. all the women left, right? So what I'm okay. saying is, uh, there's there's many jurists even in the past and the present. Right, and there's always going to be a difference of opinion of how we extrapolate and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is, there are many jurists that that see that there is some merit in separation of the genders, if possible, uh, especially if you have control over the situation, right? And you know they've added to it as you know as far as add, add, adding a relaxed environment to certain things. You know what I'm saying? Um, and men can just be themselves, women can be themselves if the opposite gender is not there, right? So. Let's say we we are living in that situation, right? I'm not saying that we have to all agree. If we are living in that situation, how do we make the most? Uh, how do we do the most damage control? If let's just say that situation's there, the situation of living uh, of, in constant segregation. Um, I don't want to say constant. I'm just because there's no way you can be in constant segregation, right? I'm saying when you have control over the situation, right? Let's just say like weddings, Right. Sure. Sure. Like people grow I, I mean, up on that on that concept where the weddings should be separated. Right. They have that concept where if you have a party, you know, for majority of the time, the genders should be separated, especially if women want to take off their scarves and relax and all that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. By the way, I'm not against segregation. I think there's definitely a lot of appropriate contexts where men and women, you know, can be separate and enjoy themselves just as much. Right. And in fact, it could be more healthy. Right. But. um you know, in you know, to answer your question, uh, I, it's it's difficult because you know I've been to Muslim weddings where um, it looked pretty much like a non-Muslim wedding, right? As far as dress and music and, and interactions, minus the alcohol, right? Right. And I've also been to Muslim weddings where it was like very, you know, no music. Um, you know, if you're lucky, there's some, you know, nasheed with drum, but otherwise it's pretty <laughs> quiet. And you know, as as a quick so side, I wanted to say. I went to a wedding once where there was an imam literally standing in the middle, and the, there were two aisles, just like as if as if it would be a church, and yeah. the imam is standing in the middle. They literally had the same walkthrough, and I'm like, uh, a little bit much, right? You know, <laughs> a little much. You know, uh, we we have our our cultures, and you know, it's not necessarily that you have to always run away from that, but that's that's a separate discussion. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just I just feel that. Um, when you look at even the society in Medina, which is considered the most romanticized ideal, you know, version of, of Muslim society, right? Um, you don't really see this extreme segregation. You see, you see things being appropriate based on the context. Um, you had men and women gathering together, sharing food, the Sahaba eating from the same plate, uh, you know, Amr ibn Khattab's hand hitting Aisha radiallahu anha's uh, hand, you know, it's like while they were eating from the same plate and he felt shy, you know, because of the nobility. But it's like if if it was so biohazard to be around the opposite gender, then why would Amr and Aisha be, be eating out of the same plate with the Prophet right? If there was so much exaggerated ghira and protectiveness and, you know, right. uh, then this, you wouldn't have seen that. For but example, isn't that when, isn't that, in, in, I mean, in all fairness, isn't that when the even more ayat of hijab came down after the shyness of Omar Dilahan, right? I mean, that's the counter-argument, right? Is after that happened, there's more rules that came down after that. And Allah listened to the ghira of Omar, right? Uh, that, that's possible. I, I, I can't say for sure. Um, but um, I, I just think that the the, the point is we, we always want to look for what is 
balance and harmony. And, right. and balance and harmony just means that you have a healthy uh, state of society and healthy state of minds, whether you're a male or a female, right? Individuals need to feel healthy and informed and, and, and so on and so forth. Well, the, but, the only thing I just don't like is when, when people start labeling uh, the other like conservative Muslims and saying, oh, they're backwards or they're scared of the gender and they're, why are you so terrified? And it's not that, that kind of language kind of upsets me because it's not about getting upset or being terrified. I think it sounds Pamela Gellerish. Yeah, yeah it, it seems like, you know, you're, you're, you're being a little, you're using some pejorative terms to um, diminish their, whatever opinion they follow or whatever school. I, I feel like, you know what, if, if you want to have a separate segregated wedding that's great that's that's your your choice and the people who will come to that wedding they're they're comfortable in that environment you know if you and if you're against it then don't go you know um why why do we all have to be this monolithic body where we're always in an agreement with everything sometimes you know that's not your thing you don't like you don't like to go to a dance you know no matter how much of a party animal you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're and not. I, you, think... You're just a guy who doesn't dance. You know, and that's with other societies. And they, uh, you know, with non-Muslims, when uh, they get invited to parties, you know, they say, you know, "I'm not a, a guy who dances. I'm going to skip this thing." That's completely cool. Of course, <laughs> you of know, course. So we we get hung up on I'm it. Not, I'm not arguing, yeah. you know, against segregation or not. My oh, we're not saying you are either. Whether, we're just talking whether, to our each whether other. you are more conservative or let's say more interactive. But the bottom line is I'm just saying we need to have more discourse and education and sharing, right? Of course. That the of parents course. need to be guides, the uncles and aunts need to be guides, and they need to be able to talk about these things. Only like, dude, one time I gave a seminar at a mosque, and alhamdulillah, uh, God bless the sister, she was like an auntie in like her 60s. And she came up to me after we were talking about marriage and, and different things, and, and she's like, brother, you should talk more about sexuality and interactions with male and female and this is like an auntie telling me this, you know, right. and she's she like, knows priorities. Our kids, our kids need to be informed and, and, you know, they're growing up in this society. And, and she recognizes like, listen, we, we can put on this nice religious show at the mosque or these weddings or whatever we do. But if the actual discussions and family halakas aren't happening to teach children about sexuality, about emotions, about the sacredness of their body and why it's special and why it matters and why, you know, uh, we have these principles then it doesn't matter if you're segregated. You're it, just It's just a surface act with no deeper substance or essence. Right? Know, that's, I, that's the point I'm making, whether it's that side or that side. No, I'm glad you brought that up because one thing I realized in the messages, it's a majority of the talk, obviously it's really good when you talk about Jannah, it's good if you talk about Wudu, it's good if you talk about Salah. But the only time that I've actually uh, I realized just on a general basis that something sexuality is talked about is when we're talking about red flags. Right? right. So you're either talking about ibadat and worship and the virtues and these nice, beautiful things that make you become a better worshiper. But when you're talking about reality, the things that kids are dealing with, you skipped all of the practicality and what they're going through. And you're going straight to the emergency flag type stuff. Right. Which and there's a huge gap in between. Like, why is it that we're only talking about emergency situations of what can possibly happen to them, you know, sexually? Do you right. understand what I'm saying? We associate our sexuality and emotions with only hellfire and haram things and, exactly. and, and negativity, exactly. right? I'm saying have a healthy relationship with your sexuality within the hudud, of course, within the hudud. But you, you can't just ignore the subject, right? Of course. Um, because when you also ignore that subject, you, you're, you're going to see a lot more um, uh, unpredictable outcomes. 
right? Yeah. So, so, so the very reason why some societies or spaces or families have these rules with their kids is because they want to protect them, right? Well, great, no problem. But make sure you also protect them through their mind and heart too, yeah. not just by the space they, they occupy in a, in a room or a wedding. Very good. I hey, like it. Kareem, there's one thing I want to um, you know, have a discussion about, uh, especially as we segue into the whole marriage angle as and understanding each other's genders and whatnot. I remember uh, my wedding day, My uh, one of the aunties who was involved in the matchmaking process said, well, she's going to be your best friend now, being my wife. And mm-hmm. I personally disagree with this whole notion that, I guess it could happen, that m- the husbands and wives are necessarily best friends. Because when before we're married, you know, and I always tell people this, like I, I had a conversation with a coworker like a week ago, um, and she was telling, she was like, oh yeah, so-and-so thinks that, uh, you know, she and another coworker are an item. I'm like, well, you know, are you guys like, are you guys friends? Like, yeah. I was like, I was like, listen. Guys, at the end of the day, I told her, I'm, I'm, I'm telling her, this, this, this girl's like in her <laughs> early 20s. I got to hear this. I'm like, I'm like listen, we, we, there's no such thing as platonic relationship in our end. At the end of the day, this guy, if he's going to be your friend for a year and a half, now he might be living in your friend zone for a year and a half. He's trying to like, <laughs> at the end of the day, he's trying to get some benefits. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm generalizing here, but I'm talking 95% of the scenario chance it's there. And, mm-hmm. and like, She's like, well, you know, I really don't want to think that way. I'm like, well, yeah, you're not, you're a girl, you're not gonna think about that. Like, gr- you don't hear about girls being in a dude's friend zone. It's always the dude being in a girl's friend zone. True, you know. And so I've never believed this concept. I'm like, because guys and girls, what are you gonna talk about? Like, I mean, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Usually, the guy in the friend zone is just waiting for yeah. the opportune time to to make Actually, his. Well, there's a lot of women that try to be in the guy's friend yeah, zone to yeah, flirt true. too. The thing is that guys, he Shake, girls, I'm that problem. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have people. I'm run, standing in line, and people run away from me in Walmart, dude. But <laughs> no, but like you get the like it's very like as we're growing up, and I remember even growing. I grew up in a. Not conservative Bangladeshi community, right? So, but somehow our, the gender is naturally segregated because we're like, what do they got? These girls talk about Bollywood, and we were in a, like Tupac and Biggie and like, <laughs> you know, Carl Kanai jeans and, and jeans. Air Jordans. <laughs> so we had nothing in common with these girls, right? Who were into like Bollywood and Shah Rukh Khan and like, you know, wearing shalwar kameez and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like, what well, are you going to, like, how are we going to be friends? I, I see this as a rant rather than a question. Well, okay. But, but, <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you talked about. It's, it's a good a, rant. Uh, a woman. That's why be, you have me here on the podcast. But I think the main question is that he no, thinks. No, firstly, because it's multi-layered. He said something about he, he, a man cannot be best friends with his wife. Yes. So I let's have, start off with that. I disagree with you. Greatly about are, that. Are you saying that they're two? It's a completely different relationship. Yeah, it can't it's, be called it's, a, it's friend. a different relationship. It's not like a best friend. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you you, you know what I'm saying? Like a best friend is because you, you just have different. You're you're very different people. I mean, the, the way you hired. behave around your friends, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that every guy is the same way as you are with with your friends that he is with his friends. Maybe, um, maybe they got issues right. then. Yeah, because I because I know a lot of guys who. You know, do just as much things with with their wives that they would do with their friends, and there's nothing more, there's nothing less. They they do everything together. So um, I, I don't think that your experiences mean that that's a or that's a rule for other men. You know, and brother Kareem, right before you chime in, I'm just going to say something. I'm sorry, we've 
we've had you out of the loop for the past five minutes, so don't <laughs> nah, don't hang right. up on us. <laughs> 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 but uh, but uh, but I I I kind of understand what you're talking about. This is my perspective on it, right? Um, uh, and this is how I see things. Um, when obviously, alhamdulillah, we all love our wives, but if the the relationship that you have with your wife is a completely different. Uh, platform which can't be relatable sometimes to your own friends which is why i think he's having that confusion right Look, because like I'll, I'll say one thing when i want to vent i go hang out with my boys yeah when i want to vent it's not, it, i don't even think about it that i want to hang out because i'm always with my wife right yeah and it, there is naturally your lifelong partner it's not even considered a friend it's it's a whole different relationship it's a whole and i mean it's in a bad way but it's a whole different animal on its own well right? he, here's the, the problem with Okay, I, me and my wife will play like Grand Theft Auto together, and and Aww. it'll be it'll be awesome, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> but we'll um, the, there's always the element of responsibility in that relationship that that you know we have to think about our kids and uh, all these other things that that come into marriage and, and the that whole relation that whole responsibility. Relationship, responsibility, yeah, relationship. aspect so of that, that, that kind of, and when you're with your boys, when you're with your friends, when I'm with you guys hanging out, I don't have to worry about all that, you know. Mm. And I think that dynamic is what's really what Mahin is kind of talking about. Yeah, so it's I, more I, like I, running I, an operation. It's, no, it's, actually, I figured it out, dude. Hanging out with your boys, especially for us Muslim guys, since we don't go to clubs and we don't party, this is our version of just partying and letting loose. Yeah, right. that's what our buddies are for, actually. Like, yeah, because there, there's something I, I can say anything I want to Amr and Sim, and they'll never get offended. Yeah, <laughs> right. but my wife, I can certain things like you know I can say that she would be like, oh, just stop frowned right. upon. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't want you to get into detail. Yeah. Anyway, Sheikh Karim, please enlighten us. <laughs> I think that definitely um, friendship uh, is a uh, fluid term. And like you brothers were saying, you know, the way I'm going to kick it with my inner circle friends is going to be very different than someone who's just, you know, more of a friendly acquaintance. Um, and so that kind of comes down to what levels of, of, of things we're willing to share or express around those friends. And similarly with our wives, right? There is that layer of being friends, like the, like the video game. Uh, I like the video game example. It's like, yeah, your wife would pay Grand Theft Auto with you, right? But maybe my wife will only play Scrabble with me right yeah. she, but she's not going to play basketball for example like there's certain lines that she even though she can play gaming uh games with me she, there's certain lines that maybe she's not going to be as interested in as let's say you know harry or, or mahmoud um so yes i think that there's always going to be a level of friendship in any marriage but it's not the same thing as just having a friend obviously because there are the layers of responsibilities and um, fulfillments and romance and, and emotional connection and maybe even uh, more secrets, right? But then there's also maybe some secrets you don't share with your wife and you only share with your boys and vice versa. You follow? Right. So it, it, it is it – is a, a, I see it more as a um, flexible social relational platform, right? And it's going to look different for, for different couples. Um, but yeah, I don't think that when you're married – um, wanting your wife or husband to be your best friend and you're so fixated on that, I don't think that's necessarily holistic or healthy because I don't believe anybody should expect their husband or wife to fulfill every social relationship in their life, right? right? I don't need a philosopher or uh, in my wife necessarily or you know, um, a, a sports fanatic in my wife, for example, right? Uh, and, and sometimes guys or, or, or women get 
upset about that. Like, oh, I want my husband to want to go to the mall and shop with me for six hours. It's like, well, why are you expecting that from your husband? That's something you should probably get from your friends, you know. Um, But you can expect other things from your husband that you definitely can't expect from your friends. Like, hey, my car got towed. Come drop everything and come pick me up. You know, Maria might not be able to do that for you, but your husband sure, you know, darn better. Right, (laughs) Or else, you know. There's no dinner tonight, right? Okay. So, uh, you know, so I think it is flexible and, and it's not that um, one-dimensional. Uh, what, what about the friend zone thing, That the second point that Mahin was talking about? Is it possible for for a guy and a girl to be in... Uh, just friends. Uh, just, just be friends. Or just and, friends. Um, yeah, most, and, most and people look, tend to hear that I know, I know there's exceptions too. Uh, you know, we can't apply a rule for everyone, every single person, but... Generally, in a general sense, can uh, guys and girls just be friends? I, I think, I think, yes, you you can have guys and girls just be friends in certain cultural contexts, right? Like in the United States, it's not uncommon at all. Uh, it's not uncommon for you to be married and have uh, friends that are male, for example. Um, but if you're talking about you know Muslim cultures or Muslim contexts, uh, I think again it's variation based on the level of. Um, uh, understanding or affiliation to certain values, you know, in the right. religion or even the cultural no, no. stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even but, talking but about that. Biologi- but yeah. yeah, biologically speaking, you know, if we go back to kind of the primal, I think the vast majority of, of men, there are exceptions, but the vast majority of men who uh, pursue women, they pursue women for the ultimate, you know, ends, right? Is exactly. to have a partner. It's and and women can't like, understand that. When when we talk to them, we, we're trying to tell, you know, this, some of our sisters and, and when, when they say like, hey, you know, why don't we hang out and things like that and when we try to explain to them that this whole religious perspective well we don't even try to our our baseline is the religion right but when they're when we're trying to rationalize and trying to explain to them that guys don't think of the relationship like that and that eventually no matter how platonic your relationship is is you know, uh, a guy will think that the idea will cross his mind like hey what if we had sex you know but you know what I think I think the last no go ahead sorry I think, uh, yes, there is, there is truth to that principle. And I think another suggestion is, you know, if you have theoretically a guy and a girl who are really close friends and one of them gets married, how does the friendship get affected? That's something that we, w- mm. we would ask, right? Because I've definitely been in scenarios or um, uh, encountered scenarios where people were just like that. But once they got married, they're like, okay, you know, um, this is going to get tapered off now because now I'm married. I have a husband and he's the one I'm going to be text messaging every day and talking to, not you. And it's not going to be as appropriate. Whether you're Muslim or not, sometimes it, it just comes back to your values and your understanding of your parameters. And uh, there are people that definitely go through that transition, which may, you know, suggest this perspective that, that your brothers are voicing. Right. The, the last thing, uh, Kareem, I want to um, ask you before we wrap up, and I, I actually didn't ask you about this in advance, but if you don't know about it, you don't know about it. Are you familiar at all with uh, what they call red pill theory for masculinity, as far as masculinity goes? No, tell me about that. Well, hey, Sin, why don't you explain it? So the, you know the, there's like a it. movement online where it's just kind of, bashing on all feministic values or, or arguments and or trying to it has a, like a, a male a heavy male masculinity vibe to it i, I don't know like it's like an al- almost like you you're, you're trying to be an alpha a lot of the practical implications are they don't encourage guys to get married it's the whole point of like there's no reason to be a friend with a female the end game is always sex and mm-hmm. 
you know, and you have to play this game. It's it's this old yeah. it's this game be, 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 being a, like a pickup artist and and being uh, it, it. They're really teaching a lot of guys how to pick up women and be very strong and confident because they, they've identified that confidence is the main sexual attraction that that women are looking for in men. They don't even really care about what they look like. They want to mm-hmm. see confidence and they want to see you know are you dressed well and. Um, be well spoken and all these things that so they're they're teaching guys all these different techniques on how to be the ultimate player basically now and also i'll also add i think a lot of it from their vantage point is very practical they they argue statistically speaking right that what's the what's the divorce rate in america 50 percent and usually when a when there's a divorce the dude gets taken to the cleaners so they're like, why would you get married if there's a if it's literally a coin flip that you're gonna get split up? It's a situation, if you have yeah. a kid, then you're getting you're getting ripped away from right. your kids. It's just a bad situation for guys. So they're like, they're hoping they want guys to kind of take ownership of their situation, right. um, and to see basically see the relationship as a business transaction. Right? If you're losing the transaction, there's no point in getting into it. So you just get the the what what you're trying to get out of the relationship. If you were married anyway, so just take care of that portion, right? Right. So basically, I mean, I, there, there's think, a. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think that, you know, um, just like, you know, many movements or um, values uh, and procedures that uh, feminism has um, produced over the years, some good and, and, and some um, less good, uh, you're going to get reactions to that, right? And one of those reactions is probably something like this, where it's like, okay, now that guys are on the, you know, the blunt end of the stick, we're going to now respond by, you know, having this uh, alpha male, don't get married, you'll get, you know, taken to the graveyard if you ever do and get divorced. <laughs> and and so that's like their reaction of empowerment, right, uh, to this new system or, or trend that exists in their societies. And I, I know men who've said the same exact thing, like, well, yeah, why bother? Like, it's just, it's a huge ripoff. If you think about it, it's, the risk is all on us. We're the ones that get clobbered over the head. Uh, and that's how a lot of women have felt over the years, right? That's why there was that response uh, socio-politically. Uh, so I think that these are responses, uh, and it's an understandable response. Doesn't mean I necessarily agree with it, but it's an understandable response uh, from a socio-cultural perspective. Uh, and I think that, like a, any environment where you have certain trends, you're going to have ant- uh, an antithesis and a new synthesis, and then a new uh, antithesis and a new synthesis, and that's you know, how, how things tend to keep evolving socially and, and, and uh, culturally. And with the whole red pill movement, it's, it gets very confusing, especially for younger guys is because they have a lot of stats really backing them. And um, especially like, like about the divorce rates and um, you losing custody of your children and, you know, the, the court system being so heavily in favor of the woman and and women's rights and uh, the financial losses that men take, um, from marriage or from the breakup of a marriage. So, celebrities so, like so married, right? a lot of these Athletes. things kind of resonate with men uh, or younger men when they're thinking about starting a family and whatnot. So uh, that that's that that element of truth really um, uh, really resonates with people. But then they add on all these other misogynistic things on top of that you know so so the, the they right. have that that foundation where they're kind of uh, um building an audience with with these cold hard facts you know no one it's undeniable that 
the court systems in this country are favored towards the the woman unless there's there's mental issues or or things that can be proven so and it's a proportional it's a proportional response and reaction to that right that's that's why that prop those types of groups and movements exist you know um and there's healthier forms of that too you know like healthier revival of of the masculine energy and, and not being apologetic for being men right and and recognizing we do have certain natures to us and we don't necessarily want to feel like we have to uh change that or alter it or subdue it right as long as it's understood and and, and practiced in healthy ways whether it's your aggression or your competitiveness um, those aren't necessarily bad things in and of themselves again it's part of our biological hardwiring for the species survival and prosperity and you if you remove you know all of these uh, qualities through socialization, whether it's you know male or f- uh, feminine or masculine qualities, then you're going to start to um, uh, create, I think, a lot more uh, disorganization in societies and expectations. And that's exactly what you know the beginning of this podcast started to suggest, right? Is like now we have we're going to have 70 categories and you know um, different bathrooms excuse me the same bathrooms and and uh, all kinds of psychological ways of identifying and and changing what is actually in front of us and it's just going to cause a lot more confusion you know Um, but i don't think the solution is to you know uh, regress in any way and go back to some stone age uh, system either but i also don't believe that matriarchy or patriarchy is inherently evil it's just how the system is implemented just like saying oh all marriage is evil and it's just a big scam it's like well based on which you know uh data are you talking about because there's a lot of marriages that are wonderful and um they're great and people are happy and so it's not always about the system sometimes it's it's about how the system is being harnessed or, or practiced within the society or the environment and that's why it's not as simple to just mm. uh explain things away totally right you have to have more nuance and and, and research and, and knowledge and depth to uh analyzing uh the subject matter itself yeah I, I just wanted to add two things to that man again awesome i love that explanation very crystal clear um and and one thing i tell you know you know gentlemen right before they want to get married or if you know even in their teen years and they're asking questions about marriage is that it's not always a 50 50 thing as far as the, the relationship is concerned right? right you know that's that's why submission to our creator is so important that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had ordained that the man is the caretaker of the woman so when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes that statement he's letting us know that hey responsibility we have a greater responsibility of taking care of our women folk and our children and if you really think about it and this is what i like to tell people is we're actually servants to our wives and our children because Allah gave right. us that responsibility, right? No matter how much money your wife makes, you still have to spend on her to make sure that she's comfortable. And she doesn't and you have to ask permission to use her money, right? And right. at from a young age, you know the woman she's taken care of from her by her father. Then after she gets married, she's taken care of by her husband and if her husband passes away, either another husband takes care of her or children take care of her, whatever the case may be. You know, so there's not this thing that it's always going to be 50-50 in, the, in that Western context, right? So you have to get right. into understanding this relationship that you are the sole responsible individual and you have to take the hit for a majority of the things, right? And, uh, you know, and, and I think that's, that's really important. The, the second thing is just your, your personal uh, opinion on the way society is going now um, of all of these different titles that the human beings are going to have because you've traced even sociologically what happens to human beings because they introduce new ideas, right? As far as relationships are concerned. So do you think that 
you know, is it what people that they say, does it have merit that this is literally the ultimate decay of society and this is it? And this is what's going to lead us down the destruction of society, even though it may sound extreme. Um, or is it that, no, this is just something that happens. It's happened before and us as humans, we're going to recover from it. Because the, you know, if the free world is leading these ideas, where does this, you know, lead rest of humanity, right? Right. I think, um, I think humans, I, I personally believe humans are good in nature. And they naturally are inclined to what is in harmony with nature and, and the sacred uh, around them, right? And so even if you have these types of, you know, uh, revolutionary ideas, for example, about gender and sexuality, um, I mean, again, those things are always going to exist. And they always have, right? I think just now there's media and, and a lot more um, political funding and so on and so forth for these ideas. And so it, it seems like it's going to take over and, and so on and so forth. So I, I definitely try to be optimistic. I, I think that these um, uh, rea societal reactions are responses uh, to other things. And there's so much learning uh, lessons for all of us in that. And similarly, the more this stuff becomes you know, stronger and more apparent, I also believe there's going to be equal uh, proportionate uh, reactions and responses to it as well. Uh, hopefully healthy ones, right? Like, oh, well, let's stop and, and revive our own understanding here of fitra and these types of things, which we, you know, mildly addressed today. Uh, so I, I don't have, um, you know, this huge uh, fear that it's all going downhill. I think that this is just part of the existential, you know, human story. And there's going to be um, proportionate reactions. And, uh, you know, I'm very, uh, of course, entertained to see how it all plays out. But we all have to do our part, too, to be aware of what's going on and uh, what we uh, see as closer to what is true, good, and beautiful. Um, and the other point you made, I, I just wanted to add to that, yes, uh, it's not always about equality in the sense of 50-50. And this is one of the things I try to teach people is we should focus more on the word harmony That's and balance. Beautiful. That's because beautiful. Because, for instance, you know, you're here to worship Allah, right? That's the, the token understanding of, of many Muslims. But think about it. Allah gave you 24 hours a day. But you're not expected to worship him 12 hours a day, right? It's just five times a day for a maximum of 30, 60 minutes a day, right? Wow. That's the harmony. That's wow. Allah saying, this is how you have harmony with your relationship with me. And otherwise, you still have 23 hours a day to do what you need to do. You have 12 months of the year. Only one month, Allah saying, fast and remember me and make your spirit the priority, right? That's the harmony. It's not, oh, six months of the year, you guys have to be fasting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow, so this idea of equality can be also be dangerous if we make everything point for point. And I think that this is a, a small practical reminder for the couples is it's always like, you know, well, I cook today, so now you cook tomorrow. That's equality, right? No, not necessarily. It, it's harmony. It's while you're cooking, I'm picking up the toys and, and putting the baby to bed. You know, we're doing different things to care for our families. And the, the masculine and the feminine are going to both provide and protect and care for their families. It's just in different ways and roles. So and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's about harmony. You know, it's about making sure the, the, your little corporation of your family runs smoothly and properly. And that's, that's the point is it's not about making it like, oh, because you're a man, you're not allowed to vacuum because it's just so anti-manliness, right? That's, that's BS, dude. You know, you, you, of course you can vacuum and, and clean around the house. I love and, vacuuming. Uh, you know, sisters always say, oh, the prophets I sent him helped around Especially the house. Yeah, he did. He, he, you know, he sweeped things. He mended his own clothes. He served his household. But, for example, you don't have narrations where it says he changed diapers. 
you know, but he did do stuff around the house. He did help in fulfilling that harmony. There were also other things that probably his wives did more of. And there's nothing wrong with stepping up and doing something from time to time that you don't normally do. Uh, it's just, again, about keeping that harmony. So we have to, I think, expand these notions as well. Like while we understand that, you know, there is a, fun, a foundation of, of masculine and feminine and tasks that we're generally oriented towards or expected to do, um, that doesn't mean that there isn't room for people to adapt to different things or different ways. And it always comes back to the couple and, and what they agree to, of course. But I think naturally... Um, and this is even like, you, you know, you find research, I think, in some Scandinavian countries where there's uh, I, I remember seeing some uh, data on couples with one single household incomes. The men would work and the women would stay home with their families and they're European. They're extremely progressive and secular. And they were like, this is, you know, this gives us way more happiness and harmony, even in our liberal, secular European societies. Right. So it does, it's not about like uh, the only way to progress and be modern is mm. to just follow everything that's being thrown at you and shoved down your throat, right? It's like, hold on, let's step back and see what's really best for us in our context. Beautiful. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, and I think that that's one of the differences is, you know, sometimes when, when certain genders assume that, oh, the only way I'm going to be a truly a, a woman or a man is only if these things happen. And if they don't, then, you know, there's a big problem and attention here. Uh, I think that's a very limited uh, scope of, of how to assess uh, the powers of, of one another and how we provide harmony in the home. Now, any sisters that listen to this podcast are going to make their husbands vacuum now. Cause it's no, no, no. It, there's just something very therapeutic about about vacuuming. The lines. It, it very, right? Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know if it's like lawn mowing. Maybe that's the connection, but when you it's uh, completion, it feels yeah. very com like a completed task to yeah. see something. Uh, and, but, and I but think not that's, even the carpets, those rivets and the, the, the lines that it forms. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you have to have a good vacuum, too. It's none of these garbage vacuums. <laughs> you got to have a nice Dyson or something. Ooh, and then dry clothes. Yeah. Dyson balls. No, no. I have a shark. I have a shark that's 100. The metal was one. around 100 bucks, and, and that one works Michelle, fantastic, I'm just messing with you. See, see how much ADD we have, brother. Uh, we were talking about that, and all we're talking about how how succulent vacuuming does. Well, I, I have a distinct memory. So, Kareem, one of our earliest guests was his brother named uh, Kareem. Are you in, are you into working out by any chance? Do you like care about? How you, well, you you look pretty good, so I don't. You might be naturally just mashallah. Just He's Turkish, bro. What you think? You know, but are, do, are you into working out and eating healthy and all that stuff? Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm not uh, as as uh, awesome as I should be right now, but yes, I have had uh, a history of working out, yoga, weights, gym, all cool. that stuff. Sure. Yeah. So, what, one of our earliest guests was his brother Muhammad Kandil, and uh, this guy has a website called Champion Method. It's all online, and he lives in my community in in Bridgeview, uh, out southwest suburbs. And I actually met him for the first time a couple weeks ago because I didn't host his show, but I remember when his show released, I was catching up on the podcasts and. He, I was vacuuming, and his show like motivated me to vacuum. Like, this guy just exudes energy. So that's my new thing. If I got a vacuum, I got to make sure I got something good to listen to, like a good podcast, and I'll do a good vacuuming job. So, Mashallah, yeah. Make it your own, you know, as, your long own. As, as long as you're uh, caring for your family, you know. And, uh, you know, that verse in the Quran that, you know, uh, men are the caretakers of women, you know. Yes, they're caretakers of women. Uh, specifically when it comes to providing and protecting, right? Yeah. That's what's generally implied from this verse. But that doesn't mean that women aren't also caretakers in their own right, right? Who's taking care of the kids most of the time? You know, the, the, the mothers usually. Uh, who's taking care of a lot of other items uh, when it comes to domestic tranquility? 
so we're both caretakers, right? But this verse, I think, specifically is reminding the brothers that the onus is on us when it comes to financial and material uh, protection. In other words, food and shelter and, and clothing. Um, and what's what's really interesting, and I, I hope you know the Odamat who have way more knowledge than me, especially in fiqh and, and these types of things, you know, something that keeps coming up, and I hope uh, if they're listening, you know, Islamic law was also based or formulated on the context of the time it was in. And I'm wondering, you know, so when you have rules of inheritance, for example, uh, or or these verses of caretaking and, and the woman's wealth being her own, um, you know, does that principle change now, for example, when you have a time where you have dual incomes and um, since the wife is working and coming home just as exhausted as the man, the caretaking in for domestic tranquility isn't as present. Uh, so does it still apply, right, that the man still has to pay everything and she gets to keep all her money and do whatever she wants, uh, you know, with, with her money? Uh, does that still apply in, in a context of, let's say, you know, the modern West? I don't know the answer to those questions. I think there, it's, it's going to be something that should, should be uh, looked into because, you know, a lot of the laws that come to uh, Islamic uh, rules with, with marriage and inheritance, it's based on that particular model, right? that men provide and they're responsible for financial uh, well-being. Nowadays, it's not really the same case in, in many uh, contexts in the West. Like women don't need a man necessarily to provide for them, right? Many women, mashallah, our sisters are educated, they're getting jobs, and half of them are making more money than us, you know? So it's like if they marry a, a Muslim man, uh, do they? is it really, quote-unquote, still harmony or fair, if you will, uh, for those types of principles to still be applied or for the man to inherit twice as much as the woman uh, and so on and so forth. I, I don't know the answers to these questions. I think they're very um, interesting uh, points that, that you know, could be discussed uh, maybe with one of the future uh, guests you have who have more knowledge in fiqh. But it's like, I, you know, that's one of the things that always uh, came up for me. It's like, how does, how does this um, still, still apply in many contexts which are just so drastically different than um, where those rules and laws of Sharia initially were born out of. Absolutely. Well, Kareem, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this uh, baby up today. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job. You know, Dead Bedrooms was epic, you know, but uh, I, I think this will be a good sequel for sure. Uh, and then you, uh, you, you, people can find you at... Uh, www.newhumanconsulting.com, right? And then you also have a Facebook page. Do you have any other medium that people can reach out to you at? Uh, yeah, just, uh, the website. Um, we have Facebook page, SoundCloud. Uh, we started a YouTube channel recently, so I'd love to get some love over there. And um, we're always trying to answer questions and, and take people's suggestions for video topics they'd like. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on the show, and may Allah make our dead bedrooms into live, thriving, passionate bedrooms. I mean, uh, I mean. through the through the sunnah and and the science that we know uh, in our tradition and, and and what we understand about people. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much, brothers, for having me, and may Allah bless you all for your efforts. Thank and you, sir. And, and, and as a service <laughs> to the guys out there, if uh, Kareem, if you can get one of the mashayik, and I'll, I'll see what I can do with the Chicago ulama, see if somebody can translate that Imam Sayyuti book. <laughs> Actually, there's a there's a really good book um, by uh, uh, Rabah Publishers. Uh, it's by Habib Akendi, uh, A Taste of Honey, Sexuality and Erotology in Islam. Really, really great book. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about it. Is this Habib Akendi from the UK? I believe so, yeah. So it's a great place to start. Uh, so we, need, we need to get him on the show then. 
African. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if it's the same one, how old is he? Like he's under. He's about thirty years old right now. He went to Azhar. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I lived with him. Yeah, yeah. Kingston University. <laughs> in UK. Sheikh Amr. No, no, I lived with him. I know. Yeah, he's also. Sheikh Amr's got to put that network to work, boy. <laughs> we gonna have him on soon now. No, right. Yeah, a lot of books I'd love now. to talk with him too sometime. So if you guys ever can connect us, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, maybe yeah. we can do a show with both you guys. That'd be awesome. Oh wow, that'd be cool. Dead bedrooms revisited. That'd be awesome. <laughs> or, or lit bedrooms. Lit, <laughs> lit bedrooms. Lit L I T. Woke, woke bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I I'll leave it on a on a good joke. You know, there was all the debate <laughs> on same sex uh same sex marriage, right? Um, so I saw a really acute cartoon that I used in a seminar once, and it had a husband and a wife sitting in bed looking at each other, like so. All this uh, same sex marriage going on out there. What do you think about some sex marriage? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty nice. I like that. Absolutely. Nice. And we'll, we'll wrap up on that note. Uh, for any uh, for our listeners out there, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at themadmumlukes at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook page, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and like us. I think we're on Stitcher. We're on Stitcher, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and since you brought that up, I'm going to interrupt your, your closer. Uh I want to see a little bit more comments and feedbacks from you guys because uh, we have, I want to say, 10 or some guys who, who we cons- consistently reply with uh, on email and whatnot. But we want to hear back from you guys. If you guys are just going to, you know, uh, complain about stuff, you want to make sure that we know about it and we can try to attempt to answer some of your gripes or, or comments. So make we, sure- we really read through everything. We actually like, we put a smile on our face when we hear good comments bad comments you know either or just do yeah. it you know? help us become better yeah yeah you know it's funny because a lot of times i'll get a text message from somebody like that's why we had to do that one round table where people were like man you guys are all right but that wasn't on facebook so we couldn't really engage sim didn't see that armor didn't see that yeah. i just get a text mm. message about it right yeah yeah uh curry but i don't know if you heard that we, we was like we got accused of being all right muslims <laughs> so I, I googled it and found nothing i found steve bannon's picture all over the place <laughs> when i googled all right in islam it was more like how to get rid of islam so <laughs> not what i had in mind <laughs> Subhanallah. all right brother, well, brother kareem man you're a true gentleman it's awesome having you on and in the future, yeah, man, it really, really no, awesome. No, not our last show with you for sure. We'll, we'll we'll be in touch. We'll we'll have you on soon enough, inshallah. Akramakumallah. Uh, there's a lot more to do, and I look forward to it. Jazakallah. Uh, awesome. All right, assalamualaikum. All right, assalamualaikum.